Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and today we are talking to a man who truly creates. He's been involved in the industry in the trenches, and he has learned what people like, love, and can do without. The biggest key, though, is he can see the trends no one saw coming and help apply them to the game we love. It is a pleasure to welcome Sean Madigan. He is the Global Director of Apparel with Adidas Golf, and he joins us here on The Range. Sean, it's great to talk with you. Wow, great to talk with you as well. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to, to join you, and I uh, look forward to the conversation. Well, let's go back a bit to start. How did golf enter into your world? <laughs> great question. Um, kind of a indirect way. You know, I, I did not grow up playing the game. I did not come from a, uh, you know, that, that country club family, if you will. I never forget my first interaction with it really came from, uh, God, I was probably 12, 12, 13 years old, summertime, me and a few of my buddies, we were bored. We wanted to do something and everything we did was around support, uh, sport and being active. And we, uh, we snagged some clubs from uh, the garages and we went to a local municipal, Big Oak, back in uh, Geneva, New York. And uh, I think, God, uh, there was probably seven of us, seven guys, one cart. And uh, we just went out and loaded up on the cart. We had a great time. And, you know, we, uh, we just were all about having fun. And I kind of stepped away from the game after that. It wasn't, again, it wasn't um, something that I was actively pursuing or, you know, seeking out. I was an ice hockey lacrosse player. And from there, uh, you know, I went on and didn't come back to the game until after my university days. So it was a while since I, I really kind of revisited it and, and really made the commitment to it. So it's, uh, it's been with me for about 20 years now, and I love everything about it. You're very much like me. Uh, I didn't start playing the game until after college. Yeah. But the cool thing about that is, for, for both of us, I think you can understand, is we really then chose the game. We made a decision that no, this is something we like as adults. Yes, absolutely. It was uh, it was interesting for me. I mean, like I stated, sport was everything for me growing up in my childhood. And after my university days, when when the game of lacrosse and ice hockey were behind me, it was what's next. And not having that team sport to be a part of, my my former roommate and I we were like, let's let's get into it. Let's uh, let's go experience it. And I absolutely did. I chose it. And not only did I choose to participate in it, I committed everything to it. Um, you know, after I got into it a year or two later, I chose to move from Boston across country to here, Carlsbad, California, because I knew it was the golf Mecca, if you will. That's where the, the manufacturers were. And I, I, I had a vision and a desire, a dream to some regard to get in with one of the manufacturers. No, well, and you did just that, uh, starting with uh, TaylorMade. Yeah. Tell me about the first position. <laughs> the first position uh it was a temporary position it was a credit analyst and basically i was the individual that would receive payments from the our, our wholesale partners and i would take their payments and apply them to open invoices and i did that for a few months in a temp position and i'll never forget i got a top tap on the shoulder one day and uh the head of finance came to me and said hey we got a financial analyst position We'd like you to apply for it. Smile on my face was ear to ear. And, uh, you know, the rest was history. I think this is now my 19th year through 
between TaylorMade and Adidas. In those early days, did you feel an itching inside that you just wanted to inch your way closer to the production, to, to, to the product side, to just get a little closer to that action? It's a great question. I, um, I'll, I'll be the one to say, I, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And I live by that. And when I first started off, I was just so excited to be a part of the brand. I would have been in any department. Um, and I was just, I loved the game. I loved the brands. I was excited to, to be a part of it. So yes, as I got in, I started to have visions of where I wanted to go. I will tell you that when I first started, I think my, my biggest ambition was to become a sales rep. And once I had that opportunity to go out in the field and sell product, which I think was about, took me four years to get there. And I spent seven years selling while I was on the sales side of it is when I learned of my passion and love for product. And that's when I started to realize I have, I have ambitions to grow in product and product creation. So it's kind of just kind of come together over time. It wasn't like when I stepped in the door, it was always product, product, product. Um, now here I am in a product position that I absolutely love. And I feel like it fits me uh, in my knowledge and just my personality as well. I'm imagining that you think about when you first started playing after college and then committing to, to wanting to work in this industry, and then you're not directly related to equipment. Yeah. And you're kind of on the periphery, but you're inside. It's kind of this in-between area yeah. that you learn about equipment. You learn about your game. You learn about yourself and really how you fit into this whole thing in a way that maybe developers never do because they're always just involved in the numbers in design. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I, I am very grateful for how I came into this industry and this, and this brand. I almost kind of came into a, a great foundation to understand how PL operates, how we generate revenue, um, you know, what overhead costs are, all of that. And that allowed me to build. So I do have a better understanding of the end-to-end -end process now when we are sitting here working with product creation, cost of product. Uh, you know, it just it allows me to to really match up or align all those stars, if you will. And when you started, TaylorMade and Adidas were under the same roof, and yeah. eventually you slid over to the Adidas side. What was your first Adidas role? I was a sales rep. I uh, I was out in the field as a, a TaylorMade rep, and I have a brief period of time where I stepped away from the, the company and got a phone call eight or nine months later from a regional sales manager for Adidas Golf, and he said, hey, we've got this opportunity. We want you to uh, come sell for us. And I couldn't get there fast enough. So I was a sales rep in the metropolitan market of New York and Northern Jersey. Um, it was incredible experience. Looking back on it, it, it really was a great exposure for me and a great stepping stone into the, the Adidas, Adidas side of our business. There's a lot there because you had come to California to work in golf. You are now working in golf. You got to go back home to the East Coast, yes. but but yeah. still grow professionally. So there was a lot involved in that period of time. There was a lot. There was a lot. You know, I, uh, I've moved back and forth. I mean, I moved out here initially in 2002 
Then I moved back to New York in 2006. Brief stint back up in Boston. Um, God, for, for 18 months or so. And I came back here in Carlsbad in 2013. So I was a bit of a pinball for a period of time. But uh, looking back on it, I don't know that I changed a thing because at the end of the day, it gave me a lot of exposure to, first off, some very significant golf markets back in the Northeast, um, but also the creation process and, you know, the, the overall headquarters here in Carlsbad, understanding how we operate and then going out in the field and executing. So I'm going to put you in the crosshairs a little bit on this one. Okay. So so just, just a warning. Yeah. I know a lot of golfers have some basic merchandising questions to really understand the industry. Okay. So understanding that, I want to dive into the go-to line. Yes. And you, yes. And which really focused when it started with layering and warmth. Yes. And in 2018, you made ways with the go-to adapt warmth performance flex is like the ultimate outerwear. But then a year later, there's nothing like it in the line because the world changes, fashion changes. You always keep moving forward. But what is the the thought process in a merchandising world that says, okay, here's something that's really innovative, but it's only going to last in the market for a short amount of time. And then we're going to try to go to the next great thing. We are always pushing ourselves and challenging ourselves to evolve. That is a, each season, we challenge ourselves with that. One great piece of advice prior to stepping into product creation that I received is the challenge of knowing when to not change something. At the end of the day, if we have an opportunity to enhance a silhouette, whether it be through material, innovation, technology, fit, comfort, we're going to push ourselves to do that. And there's been a lot of great pieces that we've created in the market. And I'm sure the consumer has said, where is it gone? A lot of times it might not have left us, but it's been enhanced. Mm -hmm. We've worked to, to push it and evolve it. Um, and, and that comes, look at us with bottoms. You know, we introduced the ultimate bottom in 2016. Right. And we've evolved that subtle little changes. The consumer, the, the savvy consumer, may really be focused and pick up on it. But the average consumer, I would say, it still, still functions and performs to the capability that they desire. But we're pushing ourselves to challenge and grow and evolve our product. And that's exactly what we've done with GoTo. You know, we started with layering and we made a killer layering piece. But we realized we could enhance that for the next season. We also realized we could grow GoTo to include polo, layering bottoms take it over and expand the same way in the women's side into a dress and score so it's just kind of taking the, the the mindset of what we initially start with and challenging ourselves season after season to really figure out what's the new opportunity whether it be through silhouette material or overall fit because at the end of the day the consumer does evolve while we are trying to evolve ultimately a lot of times what will happen is the technology that may have made something really stand out well by next season it's it's kind of blase it's passe technology it's still in the next release yeah but now we just don't highlight it because well that's that's last year's story exactly exactly and today's consumer we all have it we all have those handheld devices and we're more aware as a result uh you know Outside of the game of golf, there's areas where I'm a consumer and I'm much more aware than I was five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the consumer is, is you, we need to give this consumer credit because at the end of the day, they're aware and they're, they're cognizant of how materials are evolving, how fits change, style evolves. And uh, we want to ensure that we are leading those trends. Can you recall a time where there was something that it was, you know, it was going to be, there was going to be an evolution and there was a product that just said, it's supposed to change. It's supposed to, yeah. it's supposed to move on. And it, no, you know what? Let's keep this around because it's really popular and it has room to grow. This might be a bit broad and generic. Mm-hmm. The golf polo. At the end of the day, the golf polo is still a polo. We've evolved it through material. We've evolved it through print, evolved it through fit. But what a polo is to golf today, kind of what it was 20 years ago. And are there less restrictions and some uniforms for the game of golf? Yes, absolutely. But polo is still absolutely critical to to the game. And as much as we want to try to change it, it, we still default to we're making polos for the male and female consumer. Um, And I respect that. I I love the look of a polo. I think um, it allows to, to, you know, just just present that that style and that sense of um, class that, that a lot of us desire. So if I had to answer that, I would say that the polo is the one where we can go back to the drawing board season after season, and there's ways that we are evolving it. And when I say that, I'm not just speaking to our brand, but all of our competition, um, everyone in the marketplace. But it, it's still, for the most part, it defaults back to, to, a, to a polo. I imagine it's kind of like a great puzzle a polo is because it's how do we not change it too much but yet make it better how how do we make it so that people don't even notice the changes that we're putting in until they put it on or 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 get it on the rack and there are so many features to a polo right i mean you can talk about the collar different collar constructions the placket the length of a placket different uh closure systems for a placket finishing of a sleeve length of a sleeve overall fit there are a lot of characteristics to a golf polo as simple as it may appear it still it has a lot of personality to it so you are correct it, it is a a puzzle that each year we try to to some regard reanalyze each each piece for that puzzle and they say fashion is cyclical it's yes. circular if you will yeah and if i was to say to somebody a golf polo and a sweater you might be thinking of a grandfather. Yet the reality is you can release a golf polo and a sweater that looks really hip on a 20-year-old. You're absolutely correct. And that's one thing that I love about today's game. Personal style is more relevant and acceptable than it ever has been. Um, Don't get me wrong. Jack and Arnie, I think, were great examples. Even going back further than them, style has always been a part of this game. But I think the average amateur is more it may be more sense of a entitlement to to bring their sense of style to the course mm-hmm. and i applaud that i encourage that i think that's exactly what we need it's fun that's that's one thing i love about the game to me it's an opportunity to go out there and put together an outfit and go have fun on the golf course or go have fun at you know a driving range whatever it may be um but yes you are absolutely correct that there's there's um there's just a bigger component to that today. I would imagine that when you talk about design meetings and overall concept, yeah. uh, 
that there are debating sides. Well, I want a more traditional, I want more mm-hmm. opry golf. I want something that's going to live in both worlds. But I imagine that a lot of the designers have all those feelings inside each of them, that they want that specific piece that fits each different niche. And fortunately, with, with Adidas Golf, you're able to hit a lot of different areas with the sub-brands. You're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we are focused on performance. Everything we create is built to perform for the athlete. But we do know that the game has evolved. And as a result, you know, we have segmentation such as Audicross, which leads in regard to versatility. And it's, it's built for our game, but it's relevant in everyday style. Um, Audicross has been a great opportunity for us to push limits and push the boundaries of the golf uniform. Uh, not to be disrespectful, but just evolve the, the golf uniform as we, as we have known it. So when we sit down from a planning perspective, we really look at what are the opportunities that we, we want to capitalize while staying true to what the DNA of our brand as the sport performance brand that we are. So we may have something that comes across a little bit more authentic. We have something that might be a little bit more versatile, like Audicross or the go-to segment of our range. But at the end of the day, it's all performance-based. And we, we, we really push ourselves to ensure that the product that we create will perform at the highest level for the athlete. One thing you do in your role is keeping your eyes open to new perspectives, new ideas yeah. that can be applied to the golf course. How do some of those come about? Do you see something just when you're out and about and it's like, there's an idea? Or is it maybe you just see a brand or product and think, you know, that has an application only to find out that the person behind it is really into golf? It's a great question. And my family would tell you that my eyes are always open. Um, I am always observing. I'm a sponge. And for example, when I got on the call with you today, the first thing I noticed was the polo you were wearing. And I, I'm inspired by all aspects of life. It doesn't just have to come from the game of golf. I often, you know, the, the team and I, we challenge ourselves to look outside of our game and try to interpret how we can bring something that we're inspired by outside of the game to the game. So inspiration for me comes in all shapes and forms. And, um, you know, I may look at an individual and figure out, okay, I see what they're trying to do. How can we help them get there? Or I may look at an individual and say, they're wearing their polo differently. They're wearing their short differently. They're wearing their dress differently. Bring that back to the table and say, hey, I think we got an opportunity here. Um, so yes, I, I cannot limit myself to one main area that, you know, is my bucket of inspiration. It's, uh, it's always on. Let's just say that. Well, I know one thing I've experienced is talking with people that run golf courses about their, their headwear selection and, and the hats they sell yeah. and was passing on the idea of, okay, what are the biggest selling hats in the world? Well, they're baseball hats, major league baseball hats, where they just have a logo or a letter or a couple letters and just asking the a course, well, what's your logo? Like if, if you were to say, what's one thing I'd put on there, how would it look? And suddenly you see months later that they actually decide to order a hat that is just a very basic logo right in front. Right. And it just looks amazing. And they say, we never even thought of it. We, we, we didn't think beyond golf where it's just a script or printed wording of, of our course name. And instead they went with something different and boom, it exploded. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, again, I think we all it comes back to, we're more aware, we're more cognizant uh, of just the world feels like a smaller place today. So it's good to hear, you know, that uh, even you have noticed that courses are being inspired by, you know, inspiration outside of the game. I hope I've noticed. I've been doing this long enough. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that, that Adidas is known for is the fact that y your apparel will collaborate with footwear in terms of style, yeah. color. You, you're going to work on a, on a similar palette. And it's kind of a chicken and egg question, I guess. Which comes first? Does, does apparel does determine color or does footwear jump on that one first? And, or, or is it something that it's an eternal uh, debate of which way you're going to go? Color, I will tell you, transitioning to the, the product side of the business, I did not realize how much of a discussion goes into color mm -hmm. season after season. Um, you know, we have a team of experts in our global offices or global headquarters over in Germany, and they are experts focused on color. And they identify trends. They know they are leading us in regard to the direction for color season after season. So right now, for example, we are looking at color for spring, summer 23. So essentially just under two years from now. Um, and what takes place is that color is then transferred down to each, each business unit or sports category, if you will, running, training, golf, whatever it may be. So it's not uh, football, uh, footwear leads color or apparel leads color. It really comes from global design. And then as a result, we do work with our you know, creative team, our design team, if you will. We work to determine how we are going to apply color to, to both apparel and footwear. And for the most part, they do end up aligning. Color, inspiration, external, all these things come together. And sometimes they come together in a special line or a special release. I came to be a year ago with, with Palace, where, where you partnered there and really came up with not just something that looked cool i mean to most people they saw it they saw it from the outside and they're like oh that looks cool but these were designs this was something that was really a design partnership yes. with somebody else to create totally different ideas for the golf course you're absolutely correct and uh that was a really exciting partnership for us and you know we are fortunate uh, the, the brand has a great relationship with palace um and the founder of palace uh individual by the name of lev he he, you know, started off, he was a skater and he based in London and he, uh, he was just sitting there with his buddies and he determined that they weren't really inspired by skate fashion. And they, and as a result, he invested in the, the time and the money to start his own brand. And I love, you know, there's much more to that story, but I love where that, where that started from. And over the years, he's, you know, grown and kind of, he still skates, but is not competitive like he once was. And he really found the game of golf and his love for the game. He's absolutely obsessed with it. And he came to us and he said, hey, what can we do here? So a lot of it was, you know, it, it was both sides of it, really coming together and, hey, what are we trying to achieve in golf? But also what is his perspective and his team's perspective on the game and how we can grow it from a fashion perspective? So it was... It was bold. It was playful. Um, but there was reasoning behind it. And I do think it appealed to a fantastic audience. And I see how it was beneficial for both parties. It wasn't just getting Palace on the map for golf. It was also exposing us 
or further exposing us with a, with a consumer. So it was, it was an exciting collaboration. We were very, very pleased with how it came out. And, you know, clearly it ended up getting on the, the back of some of our athletes at the, the Genesis the last year in 2020. And as a result, we've anniversaried that, had a, maintaining some of that momentum, bringing Adi Cross to life with some of our athletes this year at, at the Genesis. So it was a really great partnership that I would say inspired us to do more. How would you describe your golf fashion? It's toned down quite a bit. It's uh, <laughs> back in the day, um, I can remember uh, putting the white belt on for the first time and everybody thought I was uh, just shook their head at me. I was maybe a little bit ahead of that one. While I've grown out of the uh, desire to wear a white belt, I'm, um, I have fun with it, but it's, it's much more subtle than I think you would anticipate. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid to put on a bucket hat. I crop my, my khakis or my chinos every day. I wear that style out on the course with me when I have a, a pant on. Um, I love layering. I, I mean, I think it's, if I could choose, I would probably always play in a layering piece. It's just something that's comfortable mm -hmm. to me. So yeah, I think you would, you would see me in a hoodie on the course. You would see me in crop chinos on the course. You would see me in, you know, shorts with a basic polo. Um, I, I love the variety that we have through our range. So I really try to bring it all to life when I'm out there playing. Well, we always wrap up our time here on the range by jumping in the Wayback Machine. Okay. In this case, I've got two for you. Okay. Love One it. is about clubs. If there's a singular club that you ever used over the years that gives you that warm, sentimental feeling uh, as you look back, it may not even be in your bag anymore, but it, I know one has already popped in your head. What is it? It was a four-wood, a tailor-made 200 steel. And I know there's some individuals on the tailor-made side of the business. If they are listening to this, they're going to be shaking their heads. Um, it went into my bag when I first started with the company back in 2002 and it did not come out of my bag until the launch of M2, um, rocket balls, <laughs> all of that is stayed in my bag through then. I still have it. I actually have it in a special place. So it never knock on wood. It never goes missing, but Taylor made forward 200 steel, uh, had a steel shaft on it. It was, uh, it was just it was my baby, if you will. And lastly, in your years with Audi, has there been one particular release, limited edition, full run, whatever, that you just love the piece that you either wore it out or you fought the urge to wear it almost all every day? It's a great question. Um, there are some pieces that I cherish. So I keep them aside and I actually haven't worn them. There's still tags on them. Okay. Is there something that I probably wore out? It, yeah. Going back to my early days, uh, you know, when we launched a performance-based layering piece and kind of tying back to my, my comment around me lo loving layering, when we launched or introduced performance-based layering to, to the game, um, I'll never forget the first one that I had. It had three stripes, you know, horizontal three stripes on the sleeve and I had a couple colorways of it and I wore them so much that they were, you could see they were wearing down in <laughs> a lot of our product and materials we use that takes a lot of time and effort to, to wear, break it down. But over the years and, you know, multiple washes, it just, uh, 
it came to the point where uh, I had to let it go. I do still have one of them. I will say that though. Hey, I still have a quarter zip that's essentially a sweatshirt from 2007 that uh, has gone from being bright blue to very faded, but it's still still the comfortable sweatshirt, if you will. So I, I you know. You can't let it go of it, right? Nope, nope, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sean, you've worked your way through the ranks in golf to now overseeing the look of one of the game's most crucial brands, and you're helping foster changes in how we look and feel on the course. So that's a big deal. So thanks so much for that, and thanks for joining us here on The Range. Ralph, I appreciate that. I appreciate that acknowledgement. And, uh, you know, I appreciate all the efforts that go into to our, our creation process from the entire team. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a team effort, but uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity I have. And thank you for the time today. That was Adidas Golf's global head of apparel, Sean Madigan. And if you follow golf apparel, you've seen some seismic shifts in styling, fits, and overall attitude in recent years. I find it all respectful but yet modern and yeah, it's comfortable, really comfortable. Full disclosure, Adidas is an apparel partner of mine, but I only entered into that because I think they are one of the finest and most diverse makers of golf wear in the industry. And after hearing from Sean, I think you have an idea why. That was a fun talk. Before we go, this past weekend, we saw Stuart Sink set a 36-hole scoring record at the RBC Heritage at Harbortown. Of course, he got the win as well. That's two wins since his son started carrying his bag this past fall in the season opener. What's brought on the recent success? Well, one, Sink worked with his coaches and club fitters using technology to increase his driver distance and performance. But two, the addition of his son to the bag has brought a level of comfort that translates to better play. We saw the same this spring with the resurgent play from Lee Westwood. Being relaxed on the course and taking the results that come are lessons we can all learn. Working with professionals to improve our swings is also something we can all benefit from. But finally, Sink's success is a reminder to share the game of golf with the people we love. Enjoy the special time on the course that the game presents and the cherished memories that come from it. You never really know how much added joy can come from including those closest to you when you play golf. What's new for 2021 in golf equipment? Find out with the Golf Spotlight. We are dropping new features all the time, looking at clubs, accessories, footwear, and more. Go to thegolfspotlight.com, click on the YouTube subscribe button, and turn on those notifications so you never miss one of our features. There is a lot to catch up on. Stay up to date on the range by following us on Instagram at the Golf Spotlight. We are also on Twitter at Golf Spotlight. We welcome your comments everywhere. You've listened this far, so subscribe to the range on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. That said, next week, we're going to take a week off, so we'll see you back here in two weeks. And that'll do it for this episode of the range, so let's hit the course, but only after we've chosen the right outfit. Whether it's the look or feel, your golf wear does matter. And we'll talk to you next time, right here on The Range. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.